0: Hi! You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about research-based advice for staying happy in your later years from neuroscientist and author Daniel Levitin. Then
0: you'll learn about how a faraway star helped researchers figure out when the Milky Way was formed. Let's satisfy some curiosity. None of us are getting younger. And let's face it, the idea of growing old can be scary— But it turns out that not only can you stay happy in your 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, you might even be happiest during those later decades. That's according to our guest today, neuroscientist, cognitive psychologist, and best-selling author Daniel Levitin. He told us that recently his parents were asking him for advice on what they should be doing differently as they get into their late 80s and 90s. And when he looked to see what books were out there, he said he didn't find any. So that's why he wrote his newest book called Successful Aging, A Neuroscientist Explores the Power and Potential of Our Lives. It debunks the idea that aging inevitably brings unhappiness. Here's our conversation with Daniel, starting with the fact that some things actually get better with age.
2: People who are older are actually better at seeing the big picture. They've had decades of their brains practicing finding patterns in the things that happen around them in the world. And as a result, they're better able to make predictions about what might happen next more easily than younger generations. Older adults are also generally more accepting of individual differences. They can regulate their emotions better, and they pay more attention to the positive things in their lives. You know, certainly we get aches and pains, and there are certain diseases that crop up in old age, cancer being the... And diabetes being two of the big ones. I I mean... Humanity used to not live long enough. Humans didn't live long enough to get cancer, and now they do. And we live long enough to get Alzheimer's. But generally speaking, memory doesn't get bad uh, for most older adults. For a few it does, and those are very vivid examples. But memory stays intact, uh, as does happiness. In fact, the surprising finding is that the happiest age, when older people are asked to pinpoint the happiest time of their lives, The most common response isn't childhood or teens or early adulthood. It's age 82. Wow, really? 82? Why is that? Well, part of it is, you know, I, I mentioned that older adults pay more attention to the positive things in their lives. There are neurochemical changes that cause older adults to focus their memories on the more positive parts of their history and to focus on the more positive aspects of their current relationships. Also, I think because older adults tend to be more uh, grateful for what they have and less striving for what they don't have, that's a big part of, of being happy: is is to be be happy with what you have, not unhappy about what you don't have.
0: So, was that your advice for people to age with grace and confidence? Be happy with what you have.
2: Well, there are there are a lot of things, but I think the you know the, the advice for anybody at any age. Uh, Warren Buffett is a big champion of this idea is that if you're happy with what you have and you're grateful for what you have, you will be happy. If you're constantly looking around and trying to figure out what you don't have, you're likely to be unhappy. Same with relationships. It's important to be happy with the people you are in relationships with if if they're not uh harmful relationships of course. And yes, there are a number of other things we can do. As we get older, fight against the complacency of, of wanting to just not try anything new and and to be curious, open to new experiences.
1: Yeah, I'm particularly interested to know now that you've written this book that you wanted to read because of what your parents asked you, what did you tell your parents?
2: Well, I told them not to do anything different than they're already doing. My dad is 87 and he just signed a four-year extension on his contract to keep teaching at USC, Wow, which is a job (laughs) I know. It's a job he loves, and he's interacting with young people, which is very good for his brain, uh, and they value him for his experience. My mother's had a rougher go of things. At 85, she found that the career she enjoyed for most of her career uh, had derailed. She was a novelist. She had published more than 40 books, but starting around age 70, nobody would buy her new books. She kept writing them, but nobody would publish them. And so she picked herself up by her bootstraps and started writing plays instead and had two of them staged in Los Angeles and then started painting. And she's been showing her paintings in galleries. So they're finding meaning in their lives. They're staying engaged. I told them, don't change a thing.
0: That's amazing. Well, how about you? So after you wrote this book, did you change anything in your
2: life? Well, I'm a, I'm a boomer. And so I'm on the other side of sixty. And so I I did change one thing in particular, which is um, I started doing resistance training uh, because I understand that that's good to uh, help to eliminate sarcopenia, which is sort of the equivalent of osteoporosis for muscles. So it's not about trying to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's about trying to keep my muscles healthy. And the only thing I've been doing is pushing myself out of my comfort zone and trying to do things that make me a little bit uncomfortable. So one thing I did was, because I'm afraid of heights, I learned to fly an airplane. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that was terrific. I had a great sense of mastery and of doing a, you know, developing an entirely new skill set. And then the other thing I did was, although I'd been making music my whole life, uh, I was always a sideman in a band, not up front. And so I decided the most uncomfortable thing I could imagine would be to write my own songs and sing them. And so I did that, and I, I, yeah, (laughs) released an album today. Yeah, you know, uh, there's no one thing for everybody. I would recommend doing what feels right and reaching out, looking around the community you're in, joining or starting a book club, or a hiking or walking club, volunteering for those less fortunate than you. Maybe volunteering in a hospital or a soup kitchen, working uh, with a community organization to help make the community a better place. Anything that gets you around other people, and particularly new people and younger people. Uh, Recreationally, there's a growing movement for intergenerational choirs, where community-based singing groups bring in people from age 16 to 96. That's
1: a great idea.
0: Those are great tips. I did have a friend who once said there's a lot of value in having friends who are much older than you, and there's a lot of value in having friends that are much younger than you. And I was kind of uh, Yeah, related to that. Cool. I'm glad you can validate that. Awesome. I will continue (laughs) to live by that principle. Again, Daniel Levitin's new book is called Successful Aging, A Neuroscientist Explores the Power and Potential of Our Lives. You can find links to buy the book and more in today's show notes.
1: Astronomers are a lot closer to understanding the history of our galaxy after paying very, very close attention to one star on the edge of the Milky Way. The star is called New Indy, new like the Greek letter, and its shakes and wiggles tell the story of a massive collision that happened 11.5 billion years ago when a small galaxy called Gaia Enceladus slammed into the Milky Way. Astronomers can learn a lot about a star based on what it's made of, and it's clear that a lot of stars in the Milky Way weren't born here. But while scientists know that our galaxy has been involved with a lot of intergalactic collisions in its 13.5 billion years, it's been a lot harder to figure out the details. That's where New Indy comes in. New Indy is a bright star in the Indus constellation. We can't see it here in Chicago, but to skywatchers in the southern hemisphere, it's about as bright as Uranus. Since the star is so bright, astronomers using state-of-the-art telescopes can look at it closely enough to measure its natural oscillations. In other words, they're watching earthquakes happen in a star 12 light-years away, and that data helped them figure out how old New Indy is. And it turns out that the star has been in the Milky Way since before the collision with Gaia Enceladus. When the stars, planets, and everything else from the smaller galaxy came into the Milky Way, All of the mass exerted enough gravity to change the orbits of stars that were already circling the center of the Milky Way. The researchers used new data about New Indy's age and orbit to figure out how exactly its orbit shifted when Gaia Enceladus came into the picture. According to their calculations, the galaxies began colliding about 11.5 billion years ago, right around the time the Milky Way was turning 2 billion years old. What a way
0: to celebrate a birthday, am I right? Let's wrap up with a quick recap of what we learned today.
1: Well, I'm very excited to know that older adults actually get better at a lot of things. They're better at predicting what might happen. They're more accepting of individual differences. And the idea that memory gets bad for everyone as you age is a myth. For most people, memory and happiness stay intact into our later years.
0: Yeah, and I love the advice for aging successfully. Just be happy with what you have. Resist the urge to not try anything new. And like we always say, stay curious. You always say that.
1: (laughs) Well, you you say it by, you're here when I say it, so.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) And I also learned that researchers looked at a star for really, really far away, and by figuring out how old it was, they figured out how long ago it was that our Milky Way crashed into the dwarf galaxy Gaia Enceladus. That tells them how old our galaxy is.
1: Our galaxy has been through so much.
0: MySpace. Yeah. The roaring 20s.
1: I mean... That seems
0: good. Fanny packs.
1: Fanny packs are back, man. Pogs. Slap bracelets.
0: Oh, man, slap bracelets rule. You know, they're still around. (gasps) Are they? And apparently they still hurt, according to my friends parents. (laughs) (laughs) Today's last story was written by Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily.
1: Today's episode was produced and edited
0: by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.